The following is an iHeartRadio podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. Our show is about to begin. And now, part two of our interview with Cobra Kai composers Leo Bierenberg and Zach Robinson. This is The Soundtrack Show. Yeah, there's some amazing cues uh, in the show, and there's some serious shredding going on as well. So I want to kind of dive into the the 80s True. part of this. Um, so you're saying, Zach, that's all you on guitar? You're the guitar guru? It, it's not all me. Um, <laughs> I, I, record a, I record basically all the scratch demos, and then I always say this in every interview. It's like taking a bath. I pass it on to a better guitar player, and then I get to hear it. In, in a really nice, clean way without the gunk. Um, but no, we have and- Andrew Sinewick is one of our players. He's played on all three seasons. He's an amazing session player. Um, and then we have some guests like guitar players as well. We have uh, um, Pat Lukens, who goes by Myron, who we, he's kind of the specialty shredder. So some of the extra special shredding gets done by him. Wow. Um, and then some of it is, some of it is me. I think some of it's kept is me. Right. Yeah. Oh, some of it's definitely you. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of, I don't want to shy away from maybe sort of leaning into the, the sort of rock synth pop influences. If you want to talk about any particular cues, yeah. you know, like I'll give you an example one of the things that I love. Well, first of all, and anyone listening, yes, we are going to have some spoilers in this. So if you haven't watched all of season three, you probably should, but the end cue sort of the, the Miyagi metal cue had me grinning yeah. from ear to ear. Um, <laughs> Good. That, that arrangement almost had this like upbeat power metal. Yeah, power. Where do these influences like? What are some of your influences on sort of the rock synth side that leaned into this? I'll, I'll give you another example. I hear. Oh, oh boy. I hear yeah. Jerry Cantrell in Hawks stuff because you got that crazy bend. You know the drum. You know yeah. I hear this kind yeah. of. That's it's not oh, just eighties. It's eighties, but it's also nineties. You know, even Johnny's themes. There's like oh, this kind sure. of very nineties oh, yes. grunginess yes. to even to the way he's dressed. Um, yes. Any anything uh, come to mind? Like when you when you pick up the guitar and you're like, God, this sounds like 
X or Y? Sure. There's a lot of there's there's a lot of information here. Um, gotta gotta parse it down. I think in terms of Miyagi metal, like that, JJH said to us, we need the ending of season three to have just a kick ass end credits. And it's supposed to represent kind of the coming of the dojos. Right. Right. So like they're, they're going to be working together and we had not used that Bill Conti material basically in any other way besides kind of like in a classic Bill Conti way or interpolating it um, with like strings pizzicato. So it was really actually was one of those things where we left spotting and I was like, okay, I know what we're going to do. And I think it took an hour. Like it was very quick. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And it was just like, all right, we're done. And that's the kind of thing where, I mean, influences like, uh, like I I listen to a lot of like power metal bands, like this band Dragon Force. I just kind of grew up with um, (laughs) a lot of like, again, like video game music, um, anime music. Like um, it's got, again, it's got that, it's pretty feel good, but it's got a lot of like strength to it. Um, And it just kind of makes you smile. That's kind of what it is. It's, It's so over the top, like a synth solo and, guitar harmonizing everything we got my my friend luke silas to play drums on that who i grew up with who was in this video game metal band dracula mountain with me um so doing doing yes we we love to have in fact i actually love how much metal we kind of get into the score like jjh have never we've done some pretty like heavy you know in the new one carol the cobras too like, i was gonna like bring up carol the cobras and that yeah yeah, yeah like and they're just like cool So they're down with it and we we love it we think it kind of represents you know this the newer kind of cobra kai sound but we we hit johnny as well with the hair metal and then you're right that there is a lot of that kind of early 90s i would also say mid to late 80s don henley uh huh. brian adams like it's, kind of, it's like kind of soft rock right like yeah. kind of um i'm thinking of johnny's story in particular people always ask yeah. about johnny's story there's that kind of like chorus guitar. Yeah, and I think that's that to me at least represents kind of Johnny post Karate Kid kind of coming of age, like what in 86 87 he would be like 19 or 20 and i just have always kind of like i feel like we've talked about kind of what is that sound in between karate kid and cobra kai like where does that where do those characters live I think we both kind of landed on that that type of sound. And Johnny's story is a great representation of that. And same with Ace Degenerate, which is like Johnny's theme song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say. Da da dum dum. That one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that yep. you're you're immediately kind of telling. Oh, let's talk about themes. Let's just talk about themes. You know, oh, you came up. You have a ton a of, of themes in this show. <laughs> yeah, how do you come up Actually, with the themes? One, Go ahead. Yeah, well, one thing I was gonna uh, say before, and then I forgot. Uh, 
when, when uh, Zach was talking about like the different parts of the palette and, and you were asking how it all works together. And I think a huge, 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 huge reason that it works together is because the score, um, or sorry, it being our various sound worlds, hair metal, synth wave orchestra is because the score is highly, highly, highly thematic within all of those sound worlds. Um, and so we have a lot of material that we can uh, reinterpret in a million different ways and like hybridize in a million different ways and reharmonize. And so uh, you never really lose like the thread of all the thematic development as you're like watching a season and multiple seasons. And so I think that our, the, the, the themes are, are doing a lot of heavy lifting for us in keeping it all sounding like one big score. That's your cohesion um, right there like, is the thematic yeah, lines. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, there's a lot of, uh, and the, you know, and they're rarely even just like motifs, like they are melodies. Um, so we've, we've got a lot of them. Uh, I guess let's, we, we should go through and we should list a couple just cause I think, uh, you know, it's fun to, for people to pick up on in that kind of Johnny world. Like we said, we have ACE degenerate is one of the first themes. It's probably the first theme we set up in the entire series. Uh, when Johnny is, is waking up after the flashback in episode one, um, you know, it starts out on, uh, like a, a electric bass playing the melody, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of just like, a. At the time, like we were thinking like, yeah, we want like a sound that like, isn't necessarily just like guitar, but still kind of has this like, it's sort of like a more mature masculine thing, which is where we find Johnny at that time. But by the end of season three, you hear that melody being played by like eight French horns in unison uh, during some of the climactic sequences. So <laughs> I love you know, it. It takes a, it takes a big journey. I there. just got goosebumps. Um, I love it. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Johnny's story material. We've got uh, one of our biggest themes. Um, I think the first time you hear it is in episode six of season one, the end of episode six, it's called quiver uh-huh. on the album. And that is when, that is when Hawk walks back in the dojo as Hawk uh-huh. uh, for the first time transformed. And there's a bass there that goes bodo, 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 that you hear a ton. And then there's a melody on guitar. Bum, 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 bum. that uh you know starts as like guitar lick by the season finale of episode one um during the tournament is sort of now become like the cobra kai dojo theme and you hear it on orchestra and since then it has always been like the cobra kai dojo theme We, we, we got to go through every single one, Lee. No, no, no. <laughs> no that's a, a great example. A couple, <laughs> a couple examples that then become prominent in season three, I think, are, you, are good ones. Hour. You know, in, yeah. in season or in episode two, in, in, in episode two of season one, keep, keep we going. set up. There's there's a flashback where like Daniel is 
you know, remembering training young Sam. And we wrote a piece we called Miyagi Memories that is like a more orchestral introspective thing. And that, I mean, we, we've heard it every which way uh, now. There's a great moment in season three that uses that actually in the chop shop fight uh-huh. in episode two, which is like yeah, almost, almost like a, a, a video game rock cue yeah, in a yeah. lot of ways. But like you hear that melody like front and center when Daniel starts kicking ass. Now for a brief intermission. We return now to the soundtrack show. We've got a, what, one major part of season three is all of the John Kreese backstory. I was going to um, mention Kreese. Yeah, go ahead, please. Yeah, and there's a few themes that we kind of set up that like really got to blossom in um in season three, one of which uh, is established in the last scene of season one when Kreese shows up at the dojo, you know, cliffhanger ending. It, is, it starts out as a very kind of like Western bad guy guitar in a lot of ways um, and sort of has a, it, it, it's a, it, it's a pretty simple theme that just is boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. And then it leads into this accompaniment figure that, that I think is really identifiable. That's like a boom, 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 boom. And both of those independently are like massive parts. Like we, we kind of, we weave them through um, season two a lot. And in fact, one thing we really enjoy about season two is like, you start to see how Crease's influence is like more and more suspect yeah. in, all the way into evil. And so we like to use that theme uh, sometimes when Crease isn't on screen and we're just sort of showing, you know, the results of his uh, teachings, you know, manipulations, his yeah. manipulations, which is really his kind of most dangerous element. Um, but in season three, you get into a bunch of the backstory. And so you hear that theme, you hear that accompaniment figure. There's another theme um, that is actually in the season two end credits. It's a piece called Awake the Snake. And it's on the season one album because it's one of the first ideas we came up with for the show. And then it kind of ended up homeless. But we were like, well, there still sounds like the show to us. So like, it, it feels like an important milestone. And there is a uh, kind of arpeggiating figure that opens that. And that became like, you know, the backbone of the young crease story in a lot of ways. We, you know, 
It plays very well patriotically. It plays very well in like a apocalypse now style yeah. psychedelic detuned synthesizer fantasy psychopath zone. Um, and it plays really well on full orchestra with like strings, you know, soaring on it. it it's uh, it's very malleable. God, there's probably like 10 more I, I could go down in terms of all our themes, but... Uh, no, this is know, great. We, we literally will be here all day. But, <laughs> well, um, I, So that that's a sampling. I want to talk a little bit about, since you mentioned season three as well, um, I was so surprised when Daniel went to Okinawa and then found out that the production went to Okinawa, especially after filming Karate Kid 2 in Hawaii. Um, but it gave you guys a chance you know, the secrets of Miyagi-Do, those kind of cues, to really kind of expand your sound a little bit into more than just the sort of Miyagi uh, spiritual side, but also kind of the action side. I mean, like, there's a lot of taiko drums in season three. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like for, for you guys to see those scenes with Chosen and and uh, and all of Okinawa and you know kind of what your thoughts were about you know how do we approach this and there's taiko drums with Crease as well you know so just kind of texturally yeah. you know the show you know how does the show follow all the changes that are being thrown at you this one felt pretty natural to us um, I think we in terms of Okinawa our biggest departure from the normal kind of Cobra Kai sound was we do, speaking of all the themes, like we do have a new theme, like an Okinawa theme um, that you hear uh, on the on the album's called Return to Okinawa, but it's when you when Daniel sees Kumiko for the first time, um, that it's that music and we actually play over Karate Kid 2 flashbacks. And I think rather than, you know, there's a lot of um, kind of sweepingness to to the Okinawa sound that we really embraced. Um, mm -hmm. I think in terms of like influ influences, like, I mean, we love the Studio Ghibli movies and like Joe Hisashi uh -huh. music and again, anime, like we, we are very influenced by that. And there's something really genuine feeling about it. And and we kind of honed in there and and i i got a sanshin which is uh, an okinawa instrument it's kind of like a banjo-y sounding related to the shamisen three-stringed uh -huh. fretless instrument so we use that a lot um and then yeah in terms of percussion like we 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 use taikos in in everything even from season one we've right. used taikos but i think this season we actually worked with this percussionist mb gordy who we actually sat down with him and like before we started even getting footage we sat down with him and he pulled out like a bunch of different drums and we just created some beds with him and that contributed a lot to secrets of miyagi-do um the fights were chosen like on this there's a track called ghost of the past where you hear that and mm -hmm. and and then also in the final fights like there's tons of of that but i think going to okinawa was very special i'm sure for the creators and for for um ralph macchio like just to go back 
or they never went. Sorry, they they shot in Hawaii. Um, but just to, to go back to those storylines, yeah. And to go back to the storylines, so I, there was something very emotional about it. We wanted that in the music for sure, and I think that's some of my favorite stuff on the album too. Return to Okinawa, um, which combines a bunch of cues, is kind of a sweet. We we love that. The soundtrack show will continue in a moment. We return now to the soundtrack show. There's also, you know, on the flip side of this, a ton of humor in the show, but also in the music. Um, there's one track that makes me laugh out loud, which is the internet. Yeah, <laughs> like it sort of captures. I have a funny story about that. It, it captures everything that Johnny claims to despise as he's sitting there. You know what I mean? It's got that real genius revenge of the nerds kind of. That's so funny. Yes, exactly. You say that. Anyway, exactly. go ahead. That's yeah. so there's also, funny. There's a fun. There's a fun sequel to it in season three, also called WebMD. Right. <laughs> Zach, Zach, tell your okay, ahead, yeah. story. Just real, real, really quick. This is just a funny story, and it's really funny you say that because we got that scene, the internet scene, and we scored it a few types of ways, and most of them were kind of in this rock way that kind of like played like a montage, or or it used Johnny's theme in more of the standard kind of rock, like kind of uh, rock ensemble way that we did, and they just were like, "This isn't hitting the way we want to hit it." And we actually, by the way. Are we we normally know what they want. Like we're actually pretty good at at getting kind of like versions in very fast to them and them approving it. But this one was taking a long time, and they finally get on the phone, and like Hayden or Josh was like, "Okay, it needs to feel like weird science, or it needs to feel oh. like Revenge of the Nerds." And then I literally just like hung up and like, "Okay, like now you've opened up the vortex." So. The first thing, and then it was like, okay, once we knew that it was going to be that type of vibe, this is where the kind of like DAD, my 80 synthwave project comes handy because it, it came very fast. And, <laughs> oh, and this it's is so uh, funny. again, it's, it's kind of like a modern uh, version of the 1980s uh, internet, the way like the 1980s viewed the internet, the 90s viewed the internet yeah, yeah. in that, in that sound. And we love, we love that one. We play that one live too, which is so fun. Oh, that's awesome. One one thing I want to just say, because I think it relates to that story and it also relates to uh, a lot of the Okinawa music is like, I, I sometimes think of this like score. It's like, it's like Boo in Dragon Ball Z, the like bad guy who like absorbs other people and then like <laughs> takes their power level. Like once like JJH opened a door for us to like bring in some new part of the palette, like, it's never a one-off. We we like bring it in and then like put it like it, it finds its way like all over the place and like develops <laughs> down the line. Like we just kind of keep creating this like 
this like giant boo of a score. <laughs> yeah, well, that's funny. Well, you mentioned that you know the the score is very bold. Um, you guys are not shy in your writing. I mean, that really comes through. Do, did you ever have a cue where you're like, they're never going to go for this when you submitted it, or is it always, as you mentioned, like pretty lockstep with the creators? Hmm. Did we have like a gamble cue? I don't know. We do. We are pretty lockstep with them, especially now. Mm -hmm. And like, I think kind of the more, uh, you know, one thing about like, uh, doing a show like this where like there, there's a lot of seasons and like the scope gets bigger and like, we, we feel like we, we really get to contribute to kind of like the, I don't know, the brain trust of the show in a lot of ways, just by like writing this music that then when they're writing the next season, they're like listening to the music or you're cutting in the music. Like it, it, it all kind of like feeds together into just like helping the the spirit of the show um, evolve. And I've so like, I feel like the more into it, the deeper into it we go, I feel like the more they they are open to just like turning us loose. Uh, Zach, what is your... What is your example? Got, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I thought you were done. No, um, I, yeah, uh, the first thing that we wrote for the show was what is called "Strike First, which is uh-huh. one of our more popular mm. tracks yes. because it it ended up becoming the Netflix end credits track. Yeah, um, so it's kind of like the most popular one. But that one, I would say, that was kind of our big pitch. Like we said, this yeah, is how that's true. they had. T- they had tempt it with like a, like a born identity cue or something. And it just, there was no fun to be had. Right. Um, not, to, and that's not saying that the, like the music that John Powell wrote for born identity. No, I is, get it. It's just different. Vibe. It just, yeah. like, it it's didn't not, work, it's right. not fun. It's a very different approach to watching a grown man beat up teenagers. Right. <laughs> so we knew, And that's exactly like Leo just nailed it on the head. It's like, we needed to lean into it we needed to lean into it and that's how we did it. And we said, this is going to play oh as God. if this is the music that Johnny hears in his head. Right. When he's beating yes. the shit out of these teenagers. And I, I remember, I don't know if Leah, like I was very nervous about sending that because I was like, if they don't approve this or if YouTube doesn't approve this, then like, what are we going to do with the show? Because this is kind of our, this was like, really. this is our, this is our pitch. This is our pitch. And, uh, they loved it. And the rest is history. But that was, I remember that that was like a big, uh, trial. And sounds like it was kind of, uh, your statement as to what the, what the sort of not definition, but the identity of the show was going to be. Um, absolutely. Which leads me to a question about temp music. Cause you mentioned born identity. I don't think John Powell, you know, it's credited as being like one of the most influential scores of the last 20 years or whatever. Was it in the two thousands? When did born identity come out? Anyway, it's yeah, an amazing score, but, but it's a totally different vibe. What was the temp process like when you came on? What did the show feel like? Because it seems to me that you guys imbued a lot of your sort of desire for what the show should be into the show like the music kind of gives it that lift of tone you know the fun you know it's it's nostalgia but it's also it's okay to you know because it's not like as you mentioned a grown man beating teenagers it's it's kind of like you know it's it's a nostalgia piece in a way what was it like listening to temp scores and what is it like watching an episode before you're able to work on it is it filled with music or do they just kind of let you have at it 
Nowadays, a lot of the tent music, like in season three, is our stuff ah, from earlier yeah. episodes. And so uh, then then we're just like, cool, well, we're not going to reuse that again. Let's write some new stuff. Um, so it, it actually serves a pretty useful role in in like not causing temp love with anybody because like, I don't know, it's already from the show. So like sometimes like we can use a theme that was in the temp score. It's our theme that like thematically makes sense, but like wouldn't want the same kind of presentation. Um, man, I, to be honest, I don't even remember what was in the temp for a lot of season one. <laughs> Me neither. Um, I don't think, I, I don't think there always was a lot of temp because I think once, uh, well, that's a good we, sign that they didn't hold you to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because if like, you were well, trying to chase we it, find us. Yeah. Once we found a sound, I think it was a lot of like, well, let's not worry about the temp. Like let's, uh, you know, in, except yeah. for is in so far as, you know, you have to submit early cuts and, and whatnot. Um, especially during like a season one to, to networks and producers to like get them to sign off on it. But, uh, yeah, I, I we've never really had a lot of temp, temp problems sometimes they tempt fights with songs uh-huh. uh for energy so like they they tempt what is now yes, hallway escape with like welcome to the jungle so like we were replacing uh-huh. welcome to the jungle which didn't work i don't think anyone ever really thought it was going to work but they that's a lot of it is for energy i'll tell you what the hardest thing is to replace with temp is conti like if they uh-huh. put if they put a, a bill conti cue in i'll back up and just say that there are rules to how much conti you can put in just like from the publisher or, or mm-hmm. whatever. So, mm-hmm. so you can only put a couple minutes of, of the actual recordings of Bill Conti. And that actually might even differ depending on the movie. Like Karate Kid one has different rules than Karate Kid three. Right. Um, right. But, it has to do uh, with who owns the master recordings. Right. right. So a lot of the times if there, if there is a, special, and the union. So, sometimes we have lost, we have lost a few battles to, to Bill Conti. Um, and we have written stuff that we were like, oh, let's just like try to replace it. And, and we just, we've lost that, but I, but everything else there now it's, uh, they'll, they'll put in, you know, they'll put in, uh, maybe sometimes tracks from like, like Paul Herzog scores, like from Bloodsport or, mm-hmm. um, Kickboxer or something like that. Cause they know that that's the vibe we like anyway. <laughs> yeah. Or Street Fighter. No, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, right. Or yeah, sure. No, like absolutely. We, we also <laughs> Final have, Fantasy. we have everything kind of, absolutely we have everything organized like by like daniel theme or like miyagi daniel theme neutral like miyagi daniel theme uplifting um and that's all kind of organized for the editors too one of the things uh and then i'll let you guys go because we've you know we've been going for a while here but um one of the things that we talked about before we officially started recording was how quickly you have to do this and this is something that I talk a lot about on my show is that so much of, of film scoring is just pure instinct and it happens so fast. How much time are you given to do each episode? I mean, how, how much iteration can you even do in, in a, in an environment, you know, film and, in a film and TV environment where you're just trying to submit and you're trying to get it to work. Um, what's a typical episode like schedule wise? We typically do two episodes at a time. Ah, or, or we'll spot two episodes at a time and then maybe stagger turning them in by a day to four days, depending on kind of which ones are like really heavy lifting versus not. And I would say we usually turn those in maybe 10 days later Wow! and sometimes shorter, sometimes like six days. Um, 
and we record. We usually blocks. we record in blocks, uh, three episodes at a time, and then we try to. Every season, the finale is like so huge um, that we try to separate the writing for that one by itself to give us like ten days to just work on that. And then also separate the recording for that by itself, so we can like spend a couple days because it usually has a lot of music that's it's pretty involved writing, and the recording just takes longer um, for every step of the process: drums, orchestra, guitar. Um, so that's I would say that's our typical turnaround. Like we'll do two episodes in like ten to twelve days, um, but then they all kind of overlap. Like sometimes we'll like we'll spot two episodes on one Friday and we'll spot two more episodes the next Friday, but we haven't turned in, uh, the, the last round yet. So once you add recording and mixing into the process, there is always a, a point in every season where like, in theory, there are eight episodes like in play at one time, oh like God. one of them's on the mix stage, like doing the final dub. So in theory, we don't have to do anything, but like our music editor might be making some like small edits. Um, and in the meantime, we are like just starting to write, you know, whatever the last episode is. And like, while our, our music mixer, our scoring mixer is like mixing the two episodes just passed. And it's, uh, it's crazy. It makes for a crazy kind of like three months of the year. Wow. So you do a whole season in three months, basically. I would say usually about, yeah. Uh, Okay. We'll see it. We'll see it. We'll see what it's like on the Netflix schedule. Cause we don't, we yeah, haven't done Netflix it under schedule Netflix and also umbrella. like COVID, you know, we haven't, yeah. we haven't done this during COVID yet. So right. maybe things will be spread out more. Right. Well, you guys, Zach and Leo, thanks so much for joining us uh, on the soundtrack show and congratulations on your success with Cobra Kai. It really is. It's just so much fun to listen to in the show and the soundtrack albums. Um, where can people find you? Where can they find your music? You want to talk about any other projects you have up and coming or projects in the past in particular that you want to plug? Um, I'll say, well, all our albums are available um, streaming, and that includes our our three soundtracks plus our video game soundtrack, which we didn't get a chance to talk about. But oh, we yes. did the Cobra oh, yeah. Kai video game as well. Um, and that was our true, that's a whole nother episode. Maybe we'll do that later, but <laughs> I, ha- I haven't that played is a true it yet. Video game set. I have not played it's, it. It's so. a blast. It's so much fun. Um, talk about nineties music anyway. Uh, <laughs> so we've got that and then we've got, um, you know, La La Land put out our, our first season and they, um, are actually putting out our second and third seasons, uh, disc that is coming out. I think by the time this airs, it'll be out the, the 19th of January. So oh, great. Um, while you're listening to this, you could go to lawland.records uh, and and pick those up. And there's a lot of bonus tracks on those CDs that will not be uh, streaming. Fantastic. That's great. Thanks yeah. again, you guys. And um, I know I'm not alone in saying that I absolutely cannot wait to hear what you do for season four. Of course, I'm sure we have a while to wait. But in the meantime, we can pick up your soundtracks. We can uh, listen to your interviews. And um, thanks again for your contributions to the amazing franchise that is The Karate Kid. And thanks for so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. And it's awesome to kind of be a part of like, we like being a part of this like Karate Kid verse. So to be at the end of, of your Karate Kid series is really special. Thank you. The Soundtrack Show is an iHeartRadio podcast. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.